nights when one drink with the girls turns into a bottle, but you need your car for brunch the next day. There's pickup. Or at Friday work drinks, where you don't want to leave your car with expensive tools at the pub. There's pickup. Don't miss out on the fun. Get a pickup. Simply book on our app, and we'll pick you up to drive you and your car home. Two drivers arrive, one drives you home in your car, and the other driver follows. Download the pickup app today. That's PKUP, and wake up worry free. Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup. Hi, I'm Rick Kelly. Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Welcome to Inside Supercars. It's our post-Bathurst sprint round, the opening round of the 2021 season on Inside Supercars. Craig Ravel and Tony Whitlock. Craig, uh, you had a good time on the mountain. Uh, not so good watching it on TV. It, uh, there were some frustrating parts to it, but uh, great to see some racing again. It was good to be at the track uh, for you. It was, Tony. It was a great weekend just to see a larger number of fans on site to be able to enjoy the racing was fun and I think whilst this is a one-off event because as soon as the 12 hour gets back up and running it uh, supercars may test there it seems but we're not going to see the Mount Panorama 500 again and uh, I think the fans enjoyed the atmosphere, enjoyed being back at Bathurst, particularly the ones that might have been able to get there that couldn't get to the 1,000 last year. This week's show, of course, we're going to talk about uh, what went on at the weekend, post-event and some of the pre-event dramas that occurred. Um, and we've got uh, one of the new engineers in terms of new team for him, a new driver in George Commons, who's been on the show last year. Uh, George, of course, was uh, last with Kelly Racing and Rick Kelly for some years, I think about eight years. Formula One, ex-Larco, been around the, the traps a fair while, and George is going to talk to us about his Bathurst 500. But uh, first of all, Craig, let's just have a, a sip through the weekend of the racing. Obviously, the big winner for the weekend was Shane, who got a one pole and a pair of... Uh, pair of wins. It was a pretty de- demonstrable uh, demonstration, wasn't it? Shane and David Couchy seemed to click immediately and they clicked on race day because as Shane talked about, he was still battling with the car through Friday and uh, he eventually got on top of braking issues and was then able to just drive away. Cam Waters though put up a, a fantastic fight. Unfortunately, mechanical dramas and strategy dramas plagued him on both days. Welcome back to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, and we're joined by the new engineer for Barodi Kostecki, that being George Commons, who's been in the game for a while now. George, you've got a new uniform and a new, not postal address, but a new email address at least. Welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Tony. It's great, and, uh, it's great to be here. Now, um, you uh, retain your position as a fly-in, fly-out uh, race engineer. There will be times when you will be going back to Erebus, though, won't there? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, every time there's a race down in Victoria, I'm always down there for sort of the week around the race. Um, And then for the the test days and before Bathurst, those sorts of things. And I was down there for quite a period of time before the first uh, test day just to start working with the teams and working through the cars and that sort of thing. So, But otherwise, yeah, I can do it all remotely, basically. Okay. Now, we, we know that from our experience that people who actually have been in this game for a while, and I call the game motorsport, you're your own harshest critic. 
So I'd like you to critique yourself and Erebus and Brody for the weekend. How do you think you performed as a combination over that weekend in Car 99? Um, I think overall it was a reasonable job. I think we probably did 90% of the things that we needed to correctly and to a, to a decent level. Um, there's a few things we still need to tidy up from my side. Uh, in terms of running the strategy, I could have been a, a lot later on the Sunday, which um, would have helped us out in, in clearing Reynolds. Um, there's a few things with the setup that we probably could have done slightly differently. But, um, you know, it, it's a new relationship with Brody and we're still sort of working through how we describe things to each other and the, the sort of languages people often say. And so that, that will take some time. But, I mean, overall, the, the team as a whole, again, was probably about an, you know, a, a decent effort. There's, a, again, a few little mistakes with a pit, bad pit stop and a couple of other small things. But, you know, I think we showed a lot of potential. I mean, getting in the shootout on his first time, first you know, full-time outing in supercars, I think it's a fantastic effort, particularly at Bathurst. And certainly the potential was there for us to, to be in there again on Sunday. We just didn't quite get it together. So, um, yeah, overall, very positive experience. I actually used the uh, expression when I was uh, texting you at one stage, his very infectious enthusiasm, his love and desire to compete is something that is really a joy to be around, isn't it? Oh, it is. He's, yeah, he's he's a very fierce competitor and he has an, an incredible amount of self-belief, which is, um, you need that. All good racing drivers have that, that sort of real strong self-belief that they know they can make the difference and they can make it happen. And you see it more so in the younger generations than the, the sort of more seasoned guys. But um, it's fantastic to be back around a driver like that who's so excited to be there and is pushing so hard to to get everything out of himself and out of the team and out of the car. Have you had the chance, and I know there isn't a lot of downtime in your weekends, or the, you know, the three or four day weekends, to talk about his background, to learn a little bit more about his history? Oh, I have, not so much on the race weekends, but when we were down in Melbourne together before the season, we sort of went through and we told me a lot about what he's done in the past. Um, and, you know, the fact that he... He essentially engineered his own cars when he was racing overseas in the US, which is no mean feat, and ran himself in Super 2 as well. Um, so, yeah, I've got a, a fair understanding of, of what he's done. He's done some, some interesting things. He's, um, yeah, he's a very interesting guy. Now, just uh, coming to uh, the metal work in your job, that being you've changed from a Mustang and a, a team you only had the Mustang for a year, so you obviously had to learn from the Nissan to the Mustang, and now you're on the third of your brands. That being a uh, Commodore, a ZB, how did you find uh, working with that in comparison? Oh, well, I mean, it's early days yet, but obviously the team's got a, a sort of decent history of where they've run the cars in the past, and they've certainly been pretty competitive across most places. So, I mean, you always go back through the history and the data and understand the, sort of the philosophy that they've had in the past and then try and blend that with the, the philosophy that I've ran sort of through Kelly's, both through the Nissan and the Mustang. I mean, obviously the main differences are the, the aero characteristics are a little bit different, um, which at least we have that information now from the from the supercars VCAT testing at the beginning of last year. So it's about sort of blending that or using that information to to, to understand why the setups have evolved to where they have and then sort of blend that with the, the experience I've had in the past. And have you found the the Commodore as reactive to changes when you put them in as, as say, the Mustang was? Um, some changes, yes. Other changes, not so much. I mean, in general, it has a slightly broader aero balance window than the Mustang, so you can afford to sort of run it in a slightly different right height window than what you probably can with the Mustang. Um, but, you know, the, the sensitivity of the changes is as much about the driver being sensitive to it as, as the car. So, obviously, a new driver and a different car, so 
you know, a lot of our testing programs we're working through some of the basic tuning tools that everybody uses through the sessions on the weekend and just understanding which ones were more powerful for, for various issues that we were trying to address at the point at that time. Now, one of the things that was developed uh, over the, uh, the break from Bathurst last year to this year was the introduction of a cooling vent uh, instigated by Triple Eight. I'm wondering, did you have any uh, overheating problems with the Mustang? Not that I was aware of, no. I mean, we, we monitored damper, te- damper temperatures and things like that. Um, yeah, but, I mean, obviously we know where our tyre temperatures were running at, but we don't really have much of a comparison to where other people's were running at. But I wouldn't say we had nothing stood out to us from the Nissan, for example, with the Mustang. Right. And uh, with the Commodore, did you have any uh, any underbonnet temperature problems? Uh, not on the weekend, no. <laughs> There's some brake problems, but I don't think they're related to the underbonnet temperature problems as such. So, no, I mean, uh, yeah, I honestly, I wasn't even aware that the, the Commodores last year were having a problem with it, and we never had an issue with neither the Mustang or the Nissan. So, yeah. And I understand this new vent system in the wheel wells is a compulsory thing. Yeah, that's correct, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I think the, the Mustang already had that, that area removed yeah. anyway for last year, so potentially that's why we didn't have any problems. But, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure... If anything, I'd say okay. it'd be worse for, worse for front down um, force rather than better. But one of the things was, I, I think that the team, Erebus team, given that there were you know two rookies, uh, two new engineers, uh, so many things had changed from last year. Although the, the same two cars, that I thought coming away with seventh position in the championship points is a pretty strong sort of indicator as the first hit out. Your own feelings on that? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I mean, like I said before, there's certainly areas where we dropped the ball um, in pit stops and a little bit in car setup on the Sunday. So, you know, our potential was probably considerably higher than seventh. So the fact that already we're, we're disappointed with that the result on the weekend is a good thing. And, you know, the team are great. All the guys there, it's a great atmosphere and they work really hard and, you know, willing to just get it, get in there and get it done, whatever needs to happen. So I'm, I'm sure we can uh, we can certainly build on, on what we did at Bathurst. The the format, you wouldn't have been there for a uh, sprint round before. What did you think of it, you know, the, the 250Ks on two days? Uh, I, well, I think the racing probably wasn't as interesting as what people might have hoped it was going to be. Uh, it certainly sort of didn't build to the same crescendo as what you get at the thousand. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not too sure that it's it's a good circuit for drivers and engineers. But I'm not too sure it's good for for short races, if that makes sense. Yeah, it was strategy. Obviously, there wasn't much of a chance for it, and double stacking was always potentially going to have too big on uh, the race result. Uh, one of the things that uh, was a byproduct of Will's uh, Saturday uh, uh, hit in the wall would have been uh, the uh, deployment of staff. Now, you have, you're not got a lot of crew on board. Um, were some of your blokes taken off uh, the 99 car to work on Will's uh, car? Uh, when, yeah, basically once the curfew came in at, at 8.15 or 8.30, whenever it was, then the guys that had finished on 99 jumped across and they sort of got it to a point where we were just waiting on, on um, Jimmy, the fabricator, to... The, to do all the tube work and then the boys went home or the 99 boys went home so it was really the, the car nine guys were the ones that were there all night sort of thing um and you know and baz and a couple of the other people but my actual mechanics were off were at home for the for the night at least you'd have to say that uh, the trickle down from formula yeah. one with this idea of curfews is certainly a worthwhile one for the sake of uh, looking after the people isn't it oh definitely yeah no i think it's a great thing 
and you know it just stops the the nights dragging on longer than they need to. It just means everybody gets focused and they get in with the job at hand and, and get it done and go there, which is um, a good thing. Now we're getting ready for Sandown. I mean, it's a, a similar format uh, there. Um, are there any particular things that you think that you can immediately go to work on? I mean, I'm not asking you to give, give them away, but are there you know, items that you can say, I've got to fix this, this and this sort of on the car for Brody or? Um, yeah, we've got a list of things that, yeah, we need to improve both on the car in terms of setup. Um, there's some, some components that will certainly, suspension components we'll look at redesigning and redoing, uh, some of which we might be able to get done for Sandown. We'll just see how we go. And then, you know, some procedural stuff and some team things as well. Um, yeah, there's a decent list that we'll be we're going through in the debrief this week. Uh, but, I mean, nothing, nothing that's a huge issue that we can't get sorted out. One of the things that uh, was changed uh, last year was that the aero on all moved around to improve the aero wash. Given that your cars were running in that sort of 8 through 12, 14 position, was there greater impact being in a big pack uh, on the aero? Uh, yeah, it's certainly still a big issue. Um, but, you know, even when you get within a second of a car at Bathurst and it negatively affects the balance um, and then, you know, trying to Stay within half a second is nearly impossible. Um, it's something that needs to be addressed by the category, and obviously they're, they're doing that for Gen 3, but sort of once it's now everybody has boot gurneys, that's a, a particularly bad thing for making dirty air behind the car, and all the models now have it. So, Whereas back in sort of 2018, the Nissan was the only one that had it, and so consequently people struggled to follow the Nissan, but now it's across the board. Um, so it makes the racing difficult at, at a high-speed circuit like Bathurst for sure. And you'd mentioned before about the uh, Commodore was less impacted by aero than the Mustang was. Is that because it, it flows through the air better, or is it? What's that reason about? Uh, no, I just mean that the aero balance window is slightly larger, so you can you can let the car move around a little bit more in terms of ride heights, and the balance won't move as much as the Mustang. So, and that will be to do with the body shape, um, mainly more than anything else. Um, and, you know, sort of the, the airflow on, around the rear of the car and the diffuser and that sort of thing. Um, I mean, it's not that the downforce figures are very much the same. It's just that the one has a slightly different ride height window than the other one. As they say, make the speed in different ways. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And, of course, history tells us that uh, uh, it'll be on a lesser scale, but a similar problem uh, at Sandown. Uh, yeah, with the aero wash, yes, potentially. I mean, at least at Sandown, it's relatively low grip even with the soft, so the tyre degradation comes into play a bit more, which will generate some more passing, more than more, probably hopefully what we saw at Bathurst. One thing I thought from the weekend, that while there was you know, some hold-ups in some of the support categories, it seemed to me that the mechanism of supercars, and, and that being the organisation called Supercars Australia, it all seemed to flow pretty well. Um, you know, we didn't have to worry about uh, big time delays. There were only a couple of safety cars through the weekend. It all worked well. From your point of view as an engineer working on a car, was that the case? I mean, yeah. Well, it's sort of it's what we kind of expect, I suppose, you could say. I mean, they generally are pretty on top of you know, the, the formats and you know, supporting the support categories and what they need and getting the timetables right. I mean, it's not... It's been a long time since we've had sort of scheduling problems, I would say. Certainly some of the smaller championships I've worked in, it becomes a, you can certainly see the difference in the organisation, I suppose you could say. But, yeah, I mean, they always do a good job for a supercars. That is the mark of a mature category in that the, 
the organisation that's been in place to run supercars has been there for quite some time and while, while be it, you know, that we've had changes of technical directors and things like that, it, it, it mostly runs very smoothly. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a lot of the guys there have been a long time and been there a long time and you know, know how to do it properly. Given that you weren't affected or Brody wasn't affected by uh, Cam Waters um, on the dirt um, on the track uh, on Sunday, um, what did you think of the actual uh, incident? You would have been watching very closely because it obviously had a big impact on your race weekend where you're starting and things like that. Cam came out after Brody had already done his time. Did you think it, it, it uh, warranted the comments that have been posted? Um, well, I mean, I'm not really sure. It depends if he did intentionally or not. I mean, I didn't actually see any footage of what he did. It's obviously he was on his cool-down lap. So, I mean, really, if, if he did do it intentionally, then that's not really on. I don't think that's a, a fair way to go racing. But, um, you know, if you have to put rules in around that sort of thing rather than just saying to the drivers, you know, don't, don't, don't be an idiot, don't do this, then... Um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure that's the situation we need to be in. I think they they all should be mature and sensible enough not to do that sort of thing. It's certainly a long way from the uh, Schumacher jamming it in the fence at uh, Monaco that year. <laughs> well, yeah, maybe. Yeah, not too sure about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, George, uh, thank you very much. I'm looking forward to uh, catch up with you in person at Sandown. Um, it's okay. a terrific racetrack and obviously has a, a wonderful long history and I'm sure one you enjoy going to as a competitor. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, no, I always enjoy the races at now. New team, a new culture. You enjoyed it with Erebus. I'm not suggesting that you wouldn't say anything, but you'd enjoyed it, but just being different. It was, uh, um, I imagine, it's one of those things you have to get used to as a, as a, uh, someone like a race engineer. Yeah, for sure. It's a different group of people, but, you know, they're all, it's a really fantastic group. It's a great atmosphere, a really good vibe in the team at the moment. Um, and everybody just gets in and works hard to get their job done. So, yeah, really enjoying it. Thank you for joining us, George Commons, on the Erebus uh, engineer, Race Engineer. Fantastic to hear from you. And as we said, we'll look forward to catching up at Sandown in a couple of weeks' time. Thank fantastic. you for now. Thank you, Tony. Okay. So thank you very much. See you then. Uh, the one surprise there with the Triple Eight team, of course, um, we had a new engineer on board for Jamie. I haven't heard anything suggesting that uh, Jamie's lack of pace that he has uh, normally at Bathurst, and obviously having won it four times in the last eight years, can't be put down at uh, Wes McDougall being on board, but that was a, a sort of anomaly in the Triple Eight sort of domination because in years past they have been incredibly dominant uh, at Bathurst, haven't they? Yeah, oh, there was a lot of talk about... Jamie's performance. He has said that it wasn't as good as uh, his teammates, but it was still a very solid performance. And I'm not writing off uh, Jamie Winkup at this stage of the season. He has got a number of changes. He's probably got a lot of other pressures too that he hasn't experienced before in his racing career. With the impending handover of the team, it's going to be a bit of a different situation. And I think you you work on a fact that he's talking to someone who's not probably completely in tune. And, and I did speak to Couchy about it with Shane Van Gisbergen even, that is a one millimetre change for David Couchy, a one millimetre change for Shane Van Gisbergen. And, and even David said to me, no, it's not yet. 
but we're close. And considering that Shane and Couchy have been in all the debriefs, they know how each other talks, for Wes to come in, extremely experienced and a very good operator, he's got to learn what one millimetre is to Jamie Winkup. Anyway, yet again, at the start of a season of uh, the uh, supercars, Red Bull uh, lead the both the drivers and the team's points uh, score at this stage. But the good thing is that there were at least four or five other teams, and I'll just go through them very quickly, is Walkinshaw Andretti United, Team 18, DJR, the new Shell Grove Racing. Those particular five teams, I think, all did a very good job. And then you've got... Um, Tickford, who had two DNFs over the weekend, Cam Waters and James Courtney, they suffered because of that. They had speed, but um, unfortunately you've got to finish races to get those points. But the other one, I thought that uh, Erebus, who was sitting in seventh in the point, there are a couple of sort of, uh, not failures, but a couple of four weekends. Brad Jones, I don't know about all four of their cars, but they did do two engine changes on Saturday night. They had some DNFs. They had some things that weren't quite right for them. And unfortunately, the biggest... One was the star of uh, qualifying on Saturday, and that was uh, young Tim Slade in the X23 Red Mustang, now out there with Cool Drive and the Blanchard team. That was fantastic what they did in qualifying in the top 10 shootout for Timmy to get his best ever Bathurst uh, starting place. And then, unfortunately, five laps to go. It was a, a down change on a gearship. As simple as that, and as we know that both Chas Moster, Jamie Wincup, Shane Van they've all had those on-the-edge failures that have caused uh, catastrophic problems. But the great thing was that Blanchard, Slade and the Cool Drive team showed what they've got, and that was fantastic. I'm sure that it would have been uh, a bit of a talk in the media centre on Saturday. Yes, it was, Tony. The work that the Blanchard team has done and the attitude they've taken has, you know, exceptional. They've walked in with a new car, with a new crew, and they've basically said, we want to be the new DJR Team Penske. And they've gone about it in a very professional way. Tim was driving the car extremely well, as everyone recognised. We see now, unfortunately, they've got a lot of work to do. The good news is the team has a second car, and so they'll be able to prep that. When I saw the car on Saturday night, you had... The firewall was bent and buckled. The roll cage was severely damaged, let alone the bits that all hang off those core parts of a chassis. So it's going to be interesting to see how they bounce back from that. They're on the back foot with no points out of the Mount Panorama 500. However, they showed such good speed. It's it's no surprise that everyone was saying that the Blanchard Racing Team was the surprise packet of the weekend. And I think uh, Speed Cafe has run a poll which has them well out in front. Another person I spoke to was Manuel Sanchez, who fourth and fifth place finishes across the weekend, exactly what the way they wanted to start their year. It showed uh, even with Scott not perhaps getting right to the front, but he's finished the weekend, Scott Pye, uh, in about 12th position in the championship. They were very disappointed on Saturday with the performance. Sunday, they had a better run, and the team will move forward, I think, this year. And for Mark Winterbottom, third in the championship, 
after the first event. He will be uh, jumping out of his skin to get down to Sandown. Indeed he will. It's worthwhile probably just for a second uh, reflecting on uh, Chaz Mostert, who uh, he had a moment in uh, the top 10 shootout which uh, related to some dirt being put on the track, which was a which resulted in an unfortunate thing for a couple of reasons. One is I don't like to hear one team slaying off at another one, and I think it's very poor taste by Mark Dutton to uh, suggest that it was an intentional, dangerous driving. Careless, yes, but dangerous is another thing. But the one thing was that uh, it gave uh, Chaz a, a moment when he came across the dirt. Chaz, going to take you back to qualifying, uh, the shootout rather, Um you mentioned some dirt being brought onto the track near the end. Can you elaborate on that, whereabouts that was and what happened? <laughs> That's a better one to ask Cam. But, um, yeah, I, I'm rolled out on my warm-up lap and, you know, as you do, you scout, you, you scout the lap, see what's happening with the track. And um, I committed to come down the S's and as I come down through the S's, there was dirt all over the inside of the, the left-hander in the middle there. So when I hit it, um, my knackers went straight to my throat and kind of locked both fronts and thought I was about to crash like Bryce did at the end of last year. So wobbled through the right-hander and just picked it up through the, the dipper there. But, um, yeah, big scary moment. Um, that's something I didn't expect. Shane, you were the only other one on the track after Chas then. How did you find it through there? Uh, there was dirt on the track, yeah, where no one went off on their fast laps. Okay. Cam, do <laughs> you want to tell us about it? Um, yeah, on my in-lap, I was just kind of fat-arming it and... Um, over Skyline, you know, that curb there, I, I took too much curb and, and grabbed a bit of the dirt. Um, didn't really think anything of it at the time because I was too busy looking at the crowd. Um, and then, yeah, went up and saw Beto after and showed me the footage. And, um, yeah, straight away I felt really bad and, you know, sent Chaz a message straight away. And, and yeah, before the race, apologised to Shane as well. So, um, yeah, that's not what I'm about. I just wasn't really thinking. I was just, yeah, like I said, fat arming it at the time. Jazz and Shane, any hard feelings? I think he spent too much off-season on the dirt, obviously. So, um, nah, look, it is what it is. I mean, like you said, he sent me a text. And, you know, drivers generally don't intentionally do it. But, yeah, at the time, it was a pretty big moment. I'd rather any other corner around Australia and any other track for it to be on the there instead of there. So, um, it is what it is. We'll, we'll move on and we'll get on. We're all friends here. And I'm sure I'll just roll around somewhere at some point and put a bit of dirt on in a race or something. Cam, just to put a full stop on the, the shootout incident, you probably haven't seen this yet, but there was a very good article on Speed Cafe that there were some quotes from Mark Dutton, uh, and he's pretty much accused you of being unsportsmanlike. Would you like to hear the quote? No, I don't really care, to be honest. I've already apologised and I didn't mean it. If he's got his opinion, cool, to be honest. I'm not going to lose sleep over it. So from your point of view, it's a closed book? Yeah, I've got nothing more to add. In the rule book, there's like I didn't get pinned for it because there's nothing in the rule book, and I didn't intentionally do it. Like I don't want to see these boys shunting on something that I've intentionally done. I've, yeah, I was the first person to put my hand up, as Berto would have said, and, and Chazzy got. So um, yeah, big fighting words from Dado. Cool. Would you be surprised if there's not a change in the rule book before we get to sand down then? I actually said to uh, to Berto that that it should be a rule in there because obviously what. Happened to me um, and, and the other boys, um, you know, it's a disadvantage for those guys. So um, I think there should have been something put in there. And, and I said to bed, I think they should. So no, I won't be surprised if, um, if there is something put in there. 
if someone accidentally brings dirt onto the road, there'd be a penalty. Is that what you mean? Yeah. Yeah, I think there should be a penalty for sure if, if you do that. But obviously that's different if you do it on, on your lap. Um, yeah, if you intentionally do something like that after to, you know, hinder someone else, I think that's, yeah, that's shit. And reflecting back on his very large accident, which uh, ended his season uh, back uh, some five years ago. Now, the great thing was that the accident that potentially the accident that Tim Slade had could well have resulted in some serious damage, maybe not to the extent that Chaz had, but one of the reasons why there wasn't the damage to Tim was because the improvements that supercars have put in the cars. Greater leg protection, you know, on both the right and left leg, it just meant that Tim was that much more protected than Chaz had been back uh, when he had his very nasty accident. So that was fantastic in itself. Overall, the, the weekend, I thought, was well worthwhile uh, project. You were both up the top and the bottom at the track and saw plenty of people up there. I did, and as I said earlier, I think fans were just happy, particularly those that missed the 1,000, to be able to get back there. It was a, a solid crowd, and what also came through was how well this new seven television package could be for supercars with strong performance 40 percent across the weekend with a 30 percent uh increase over the free-to-air coverage from adelaide last year now it's not apples for apples adelaide's not mount panorama bathurst but it is a sign that bodes well for the new television deal. The two unknown factors as we speak tonight is you had KO and you had 7 Plus. And this movement for more people to watch streaming is going to perhaps change the numbers and how the numbers pan out across race weekends. But if both those streaming services have pulled good numbers, this is going to be fantastic news for supercars over the next period, especially considering what is hoped to be realised by Gen 2 in making it a more racing category. Indeed, and uh, from what I understand, as a television viewer, um, while the pictures were up to their consistent, uh, you know, very uh, good-looking uh, form... Uh, thanks to the work of uh, Nathan Prendergast and co. I wasn't so wrapped in the television coverage from the uh, commentary point of view. Certainly, uh, Scape and Crompton were good. And it was terrific to see Jack Perkins and certainly Lyco back there doing their particular style of grace and uh, good work. Great to hear that the, the numbers are up. It was uh, worthwhile racing and, of course, a great preview uh, Sandown. Uh, it traditionally, of course, has been usually the Sandowns the, the uh, warm-up for Bathurst, but now it's the other way around. Bathurst has gone for the first time this year. We've got another one to run back in October. But, Craig, uh, I'm glad to hear you enjoyed it. Certainly glad to hear from George that he had an enjoyable and successful worthwhile weekend. It's uh, terrific to uh, have the opening round over and now look forward to a Sandown. Given that COVID uh, runs in the way in which it has been running, then we should be able to say uh, thank you very much uh, for a stand down. Yeah, indeed. And uh, one thing that it did happen, Tony, that I wasn't going to have a final thought, but it was Dirk Kleinsmith's last event as a photographer. So uh, it was good to see Dirk. It was good to have a chance to say uh, thanks very much and goodbye. 
Indeed it was. And uh, not only was he there taking his cameras for the last trip around the mountain, his last trip around a racetrack after 30 years on the on the road. Dirk is certainly one of the more high-profile photographers in our happy little group. And I was sorry I wasn't there. I sent him a message to thank him because Dirk has been entered into the Hall of Fame, one of the very few happy snappers who've been there, but one well worthwhile being amongst that lot. So that's it from Inside Supercars from Tony Whitlock. And Craig Ravel. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited.